We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who I am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who I am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. Welcome to War College. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm here with Kyle Clement. We are a two-man car here every single Wednesday. I'm here every single Wednesday with one of the instructors from Liber Crystal, either Dr. Dan Schneider or Kyle Clement. Both of them teach uh, uh, Father Ripperger's method of healing, deliverance, and exorcism. Kyle, welcome to the show. Good to have you back, brother. Hey, good to be here, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Kyle, I, I think... Uh, what you do, what Dan does, what Father Ripperger does, and many others is so important because I don't think you would disagree with me that there's there's a rise in satanic activity in America, uh, even in the church. I, I was reading an article last month from Oxford University. It says, Satanism is now the fastest growing religion in the United States of America, according to British researcher Dr. James Phillip. And... Uh, it's it's sad, but they even have a political platform now. And and I say that because uh, they've annexed themselves, the, at least the Temple of Satan has annexed themselves to the Democrat Party in many ways. They they go out there and protest against uh, pro-life legislation. They go out there and protest in front of abortion clinics along with pro-aborts. They go and uh, they try to do uh, invocations in city hall. So this is why we do the program on Wednesdays, because uh, this isn't going away until the second coming of Christ. And as Catholics, we got to stand up to it. So, uh, uh, Kyle, where, where are you at right now, Kyle? What's uh, going on with Liber Crystal? People are asking, people are emailing. How can I get involved? How can I get information? Uh, tell us a little bit about Liber Crystal and some of the events that are uh, going to be happening in short time. So thank you, Jesse, for the opportunity. Right now, I'm in a location over on the East Coast with uh, Father Ripperger, and we have a week-long training for exorcists. And so these men come from around the country to go through a week of intense training um, to learn how to be very functional exorcists. Um, Father Ripperger and I taught at an institute that was established for this purpose and then got compromised. And so realized that Anytime these things, uh, institutes or organizations get set up, uh, the, the demon wants to take them out. And so uh, this the institute we used to be with uh, got compromised. We kind of went out on our own, got lean and, and mean, so to speak. Just uh, none of the superfluous stuff, you know, the practicum, the practical theology, teach these um, priests how to, uh, to use the powers of their priesthood in such a way as to bring about uh, liberation through exorcism, adoration of fallen angels. And so that's what we're doing this week. Last week, um, I did a um, led a uh, lay retreat on reclamation theology at the beginning of Lent. Um, Pope uh, Paul VI basically eviscerated the power of penance and fasting during this season uh, when he abrogated a bunch of the practices. 
or when he when he gave new practices, he did not abrogate the old practices. For instance, I'm speaking to you on Wednesday, which is a um, it just Ember it just Ember Day. Ember Day. Ember Day. We used to know the Ember Days. We used to know their power. We used to observe them. Uh, so to get in touch with our faith. Um, so Libra Cristo is back. It's uh, again, it's a leaner, more focused machine. Um, I think that I want to keep coming back to um, the imagery of uh, of uh, Joshua, um, um, your Caleb, when he was talking, when he was raising an army, uh, and they said, uh, "You don't need that many. You, you got a bunch of guys who who are not necessary. Take them down to the river, see how they drink. Gideon's army, take them down to the river, see how they drink, see what attention they pay." What we need is righteous men. We need righteous men being men in the Catholic Church today. And so many of the organizations, because of the proliferation of homosexuality and effeminism, uh, effeminacy in the, in the priesthood, it is greatly diluted. And the faith itself has become something that we hardly recognize. So Reclamation Theology dealt with how to um, exercise our right roles and bring about a deeper efficacy to our faith and our devotions. Um, then next week, we do a general practitioner training. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you and Anita in that actively. You guys have been actively involved in this ministry. The general practitioner training is to educate priests and laity in this area, um, in this particular uh, discipline of Catholic liberation according to Catholic norms. Um, most every other model that is in the church came in through evangelical or, or uh, Pentecostal influences and is not patently Catholic. It's a departure from our tradition. Um, the charismatic uh, expressions and, and the charismatic methodology came in through these same um, areas. And it, it's not patently Catholic. It's not traditional Catholicism. And so we're, we're trying to correct some of those errors just from an efficacy standpoint. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do, analogy is marksmanship. Uh, a lot of the practices that have come into the church are shoot from the hip without a discernible target. What we teach you to do is to discern your target, profile your target, go to the shoulder, get a good rest, and make one good clean shot. And so um, that's a good analogy for it. We are the church militant. We're not the church reticent, not the church hanging out, not the church chilling, not the church jamming. We are the church militant. And so <laughs> if, if you want information on these activities, go to info, I-N-F-O, at Libercristo, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot org and request specific information. This summer, we're going to have a series of retreats, uh, Reclamation Theology. I'll lead that in, in Wyoming. And then also in Wyoming will be Father Riffiger will do a week of father and son retreats and a week of mother and daughter retreat space is very limited. So if you're interested, uh, email and ask for information. Thank you, Jesse. I'm definitely interested in going to the father son retreat, but Hey, let's uh, jump right into it. There's a lot of questions that people want to ask, uh, uh, yourself and, and, and Dr. Schneider. One of them is this, uh, my husband and I live in Montana. We, we both attended the five-day training seminar at the St. Leo the Institute on the role of our Blessed Mother in the defeat of Satan. It was very good. Several other couples and individuals have come to us asking for guidance and help. The, the, prayers, we, we, the, the prayers we direct them to and or lead them through are from the book, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady. 
They're very helpful. But there are times when we feel our training isn't enough. Will there be any training for Lady coming up that the two of us, uh, for the two of us that you would recommend? Well, you just mentioned it right now, so that answered the question for this email. You just mentioned... uh, all, all the things that are that are going to be happening. Again, if people want information on this, they email who again? Info at? Info at LibreCristo, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot org. Or you can go to www.LibreCristo.org. There's a lot of free videos and talks by Father Ripperger, uh, myself. Uh, Dr. Schneider, there's there's a lot of things on there that are informative. And so uh, the website is back up and functional. Praise God. Here's another question. I need, my, I need advice on how to help my 26-year-old son. He's been having what he thought were dreams until he had one in the middle of his workday. In his visions, he's being tortured in hell and taunted with the mortal sins he's going to commit. These visions are visceral, leaving him unclear as to whether he actually is in hell. The visions have caused him to go to, to confession weekly and say his rosary regularly, but he is still being tormented. What else can my 26-year-old son do? So I think this is the way the question is phrased often gives you the defect or the vulnerability, if you will, Jesse. Uh, is this his father or mother sending the email? It is the mother. There you go. So we've got a disordered relationship between... Uh, a mother and a 26-year-old son, go to his father, talk to his father, or and or come to us directly. But this guy's 26 years old, so he, it's real simple. Man up, quit getting your, your mom uh, to ask the questions. <laughs> Got it. So he, he said contact Liver Cristo and, uh, and proceed from there. And obviously, get, get, the father needs to be involved. Again, uh, this... This is the whole. Let me ask, here, another question. Um, Father Ripperger came out with a new book, Dominion. In a nutshell, what does the book Dominion cover? <laughs> Explain the universe in a nutshell. <laughs> it, it covers all things pertinent and germane to spiritual warfare. Which you've been talking about for 10, 15 years, correct? Correct. Yeah. It's. Uh, Basically, what Father does is he has the ability. It's a huge book, but it is a, a condensation, a summary, a distillation. It's a it's a compaction of 25 years of working in this ministry, and uh, it, it's a wealth of information, and it's all built from the objective standpoint. And I, that's something I really want to stress: is Father's not offering opinion, he's not offering theory, he's not offering agenda-driven statements it's all objective this is what we've seen in thousands of cases over 25 years here's the universal principles uh that we're seeing and then here's what the church fathers said that these universal principles uh give testament to amen you're listening to war college my name is jesse romero i've got uh, kyle clement kyle is uh he's the only member of the delorean fathers uh he's one of the instructors for liber cristo and uh, every Wednesday we have him on, or Dr. Dan Schneider, we talk about spiritual warfare at a very high level. Spiritual warfare based on the principles of 2,000 years of Catholic monastic teaching. <clears throat> Stick around, don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. we got more questions and answers with Kyle Clement, instructor for Liber Christu, Father Ripperger's right-hand man.
War College, my name is Jesse Romero. This is the program where Jesus Christ is Lord, the Blessed Virgin Mary is Queen Mother. We got uh, Kyle Clement on Wednesdays, Dr. Dan Schneider, uh, the, the instructors from Liber Cristo for high-level spiritual warfare. And uh, thanks be to God, LiberCristo.org is back up and running, LiberCristo.org. If you want to uh, access some of the information that's put out by, uh, by uh, Kyle Clement and, and Dr. Dan Schneider as 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 comports with Father Ripperger's methodology of healing, deliverance, and exorcism. That's the place to go to. That's the one-stop shop. Uh, Kyle, there's other people on the Internet, not to mention any names, but they're, they're putting up websites as well and giving, giving information and uh, doing things that, that's kind of bizarre. One question that somebody asked me, Kyle, can I go and get a deliverance over the phone or through Skype or through video? No, um, you, you may you may re, uh, receive some relief. However, the practitioners of this open themselves up because they're using a prohibitive medium. Um, there's been at least two documents, one fairly lately. Um, I don't have the site to it, but that come out of the magisterium, come out of, of directive dicastrates that are saying uh, this type of media uh, is not um, is not to be used in this way. Um, so it's not, not only is it not advisable, it's actually illicit. Got it. Got another question here. I am praying the Angelus and the Exilium Christianorum prayers three times a day. I'm praying them for myself and members of my own family uh, as well. I have a child who's struggling and maybe myself with oppression. My question, do these prayers work also as intercessory prayers? If I say them for 30 days, I will be the only one praying them in my household. My husband will not pray them with me. Uh, we are empty nesters. If I pray them without my husband for my children, are they still effective? They will have some effect, uh, but they'll also have some side effects. And one of the side effects is to continue to drive the wedge between you and your husband. And so... This is not a good practice. Um, in order for your prayers to have real merit, number one, the prayers need to be of the marriage, hearts in one accord. If you have desires uh, and prayer intentions that are not consistent with your husband's, um, then you're really rowing upstream. You're really putting in a lot of effort for something that doesn't have the maximum amount of effect or merit. And so, but the prayers of a one flesh union, I will tell you how to maximize your prayers is for them to be prayed at the foot of your marriage altar, which is your bed together with your husband. This is the maximization of, of prayers and intentions. But again, it's, it's not to affect someone's behaviors to bring about their conversion. So quietly redirect your prayers to a very simple, Lord, let him see himself as you see him. You see him uh, in your mind as he was on your wedding day, because what you're praying right now for is the conversion of your husband. Don't try to command his behavior. Don't try to regulate his behavior. Pray for his conversion. And then when you've got hearts of one accord, then you can turn a very powerful weapon onto the cosmos to to aid in the salvation of souls. But this is a, is a common thing is a lot of people neglect the, the battle on their front door to go fight, fight a battle somewhere else. 
Oh, I've seen that for years, Kyle. Uh, uh, that's that's so true. That statement that you just made. Uh, people want to fix other people's problems, and their home is a mess. Their kids are a mess, and but they're trying to save the world. Here's another question. I believe that my ex is cursing us. He's into astral projection, and I've seen the demon manifest through him. My concern is the current legal tie. I've contacted a lawyer to get that severed, but also his natural rights over our kids. What prayers should I be saying over them to protect my kids from their dad and to protect us from him cursing us while I get the civil marriage divorced and then annulled within the church? I think if I can block him spiritually, that our lives will start to improve. So again, we're focusing we're focusing on the smoke, not the fire, not the smolder. And so uh, you got a soul in peril here. You've got a you've got a soul linkage to this soul. You share children. You were married at one time. You thought enough of each other to make a vow in front of God and witnesses that you would stay together until you, death separated you. And now you've gone back on that. Um, even if it's he alone. There's a participation in that. So what you want to do is, is while you have still you are still married in the eyes of the church and you have rights over his body. Now, this is a part of the natural law that empowers the wife to pay, pray directly imprecatory prayers over a demon or to bind a demon that is influencing her husband because you have rights over his corpus. So don't let this window close. Um, because once that separation is legal and once that marriage is nullified, then the demon really has access to you through the children because you're not going to be able to deny them access. But this raises up an animosity. Also, a big caution here is not to say anything derogatory about these children's father to them. Doesn't matter how angry you are, doesn't matter how hurt you are, doesn't matter how offended you are, you cannot speak ill of their father to them. This form of cursing may be more, it may be what opens you up to his cursing. Remember that it's not about breaking the curse. It's about making yourself and those you love invulnerable to the curse, making, building up your defenses. And so this is a, this is a situation where you're wanting a weapon. What, what weapon can I shoot at him that'll have effect? And it's not that at all. Put your weapons down, go to him and say, look, we've got to put aside our animosity for the good of these children. And so it doesn't matter if you hate my guts, um, you, you can't say it. And, and I've got to love you from a position of, of Catholic charity. So this changes the dynamic. You'll never, you'll never, quote, win the battle fighting it the way you're trying to fight it. Awesome. Here's another question, Kyle. On a recent episode of the U.S. Grace Force, I heard Father Ripperger say that bishops should be saying binding prayers over their diocese. I worked for a bishop in Australia and mentioned that to him, but he hadn't heard of binding prayers that could be said generically over the diocese. He is certainly open to do them if I, if I can point him to the specific prayers. Would you be able to advise me on this, please? Yes, it is prayer against Satan and the fallen angels written by Leo the 13th, commonly referred to as the chapter three prayer or exorcism of a place. This is most effective when it's prayed by the chief exorcist of the diocese, which is the bishop. You can find it in, uh, in the Weller or in other translations. Uh, it's best to be prayed in Latin, but it's extremely effective. And just a word of advice, never tell a bishop what he should do. 
you might tell a bishop what's been effective in other dioceses. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> Don't tell them what to do. Here's another question. I am wondering about my wedding rings. One ring is a ring my grandfather bought my grandma and I have inherited and used during our Catholic wedding. They bless both rings during the ceremony, but I've not come to find out that my grandpa was the master mason and feel unsure about my wedding ring. I have done a Marian consecration and consecrated my wedding, ring, wedding rings using the deliverance prayers books from Father Ripperger. These used wedding bands have a past history. It makes me feel very uneasy, especially knowing this is a sign of mine and my husband's marriage. Am I too scrupulous? I'm unsure about what I should do. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's scrupulous. I think you're totally out of order. You're, you're the wife in the marriage. The blessing of the rings at the nuptials by the priest is going to take care of that. The wedding ring is not intrinsically evil. This is the only thing which would um, render the blessing ineffective. Prior use does not necessarily... Uh, mean that uh, it's intrinsically evil, but the nuptial blessing, but the blessing of a woman is maybe over her personal items specifically. What you're doing is you're eroding the authority of your husband within the marriage. The other one is this, very simply, if you've consecrated this to Mary, you're not allowed to worry. Con worry is in direct conflict to your consecration to, of everything to Mary, your material goods, your thoughts, your prayers, everything that you are. Read the fine print of the consecration. It is a protection. But when you worry, you're negating the fine print. When you're blessing your wedding rings, you're negating your husband's authority. Uh, very simply, go and confess the sin of usurpation. And probably, and, and have the husband, if, if she feels uncomfortable, have the hus husband consecrate those articles, uh, correct? Would that be what she should probably do? Well, I, you know, the fact that she's telling us that she's married in the Catholic Church and the wedding and the rings were blessed with the wedding blessing at their nuptials. Yeah, it's, it's a done deal. You got to accept it. Yeah, that's it. Amen. Yeah, the, the, the power of uh, the priest or the person, the persona Christi. Here's another one, Kyle. Please tell us what prayers besides fasting, holy mass and confession can I do to offer up against the curse of a Luciferian cult or Freemasonry in my husband's my husband's family, all his uncles, stepfather, uh, both his parents, uh, both his parents were, his, his dad was a 33 degree Mason and uh, his mom was the daughter of the Eastern Rite. Uh, my three children, grandchildren are all in grave danger spiritually. So what prayers can this woman do to break all this generational Freemasonry in her husband's part of the family? None. And so, but let's go at this. I hope we hear a theme here. Your prayer is, yeah. Lord, may him, he see himself as you see him. What you're looking for is the prick of conscience in your, in your husband that ends in him saying the prayers. Because you're saying the prayers are not efficacious. Him saying the prayers are. So the movement we've got to get is to him to want to say the prayers or think there's a need to say the prayers. And so the intercession of a wife is extremely powerful. You send your guardian angel to his. You put this on his mind through the marriage angel. You enlist all of those angelic forces, and um, you're, you're, you're looking for that movement within him that says, I need to say these prayers. 
you're telling him he needs to to, to Sam is going to prolong the process. Makes sense. Once again, uh, this is what the whole book Dominion is all about. In part, one of the chapters talks about you know staying in your lane and having uh, knowing the the roles of, of the man and the woman, and knowing the authority of the man and the woman. That's one of the mo- very important parts that I've. Uh, come to discover as of 2019 when I took my first course at Libra Christo, how important this role is. And, and, a, and a lot of other models I've noticed that I worked under, Kyle, they conflate the roles of authority. And so I've seen a lot of wreckage and carnage and damage done or ineffectiveness. And that's one of the unique things I've seen about Libra Christo is it has a very old New Testament and patristic understanding of the role of man and a woman and when you follow that, uh, you, you operate very safely with God's protection. You're listening to Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. This is War College. This is our Wednesday show. We talk about spiritual warfare, all things spiritual warfare. Stick around. We'll be right back. we got more questions for Kyle Clement. Welcome back to War College. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm here with Kyle Clement. He's uh, the only lay member of the DeLorean, the DeLorean Fathers. This is Father Chad Ripperger's uh, order of priest. And uh, Kyle's been working with Father Ripperger for the last 14, 15 years. Literally uh, his right-hand man, his, uh, uh, li- literally his administrator, facil- case facilitator. On Wednesdays, we're here, and I take your spiritual warfare questions that people ask at, at vmpr.org and we answer them because I know a lot of you are, are, want a good, solid Catholic response to your questions. And really, there's very few places where you can go and get the straight scoop on spiritual warfare. Uh, here's another one, Kyle. Are imprecatory prayers stronger than deprecatory prayers? Should we use them when we have the authority to do so? It's a very, very good question, and it opens up a theology with regard to authority. And so there's two ways to abuse authority. One is the fail, it, one is the overuse, and the other is the failure to discharge. And so authority can be abused on either end of the spectrum. And so if we use imprecatory prayer when we do not have the authority, that's abuse on one end. When we don't use it when we do have the authority, that's abuse on the other. The thing about a precatory prayer is the prayer needs, even if you have the authority, you need to be in a state of grace. You need to be um, in right order, even if you have the authority and the power. And so, again, you know, if we if we look at authority as the badge and power as the gun, there's still Jesse will be the first to tell you as retired law enforcement. There's a righteous shooting and then there's a dubious shooting. Um, so just because you have the power and the authority and discharge your weapon, it still has to be done in a proper context. And so, um, if we're binding demons, if we're trying to prescribe behavior, even though you are in a position of natural law authority, St. Thomas says, we may not will the actions of another. So if you're trying to, um, again, focus on behavior, if you're focusing on behavior, then this is really a misuse. Um, now, the, the difference is in the per direct parental situation, 
um, you're to direct behavior uh, by corporal command, meaning you're commanding the flesh. What does that look like? Um, <laughs> I'll put it in terms we can all understand. You got a four-year-old boy who makes a break for the door in mass, and he gets just out of grasp, and you're going to say, "Come here to me." <laughs> and so this is your this is your son or your grandson, and it's and it's not let me reason with you. It's a direct corporal command over his flesh that says, "Come here." And so this is a, a right discharge, and it's not our will that we're imposing as much as it's God will, God's will for right order. All that by way of saying, if you have the authority to use imprecatory prayer to bind a demon that is interfering with someone's right ordered behavior, then you're bound to use it. You have an obligation to do that. This is one of the dysfunctions in parenting today is we think that the abrogation or the or the not using authority is judicious or somehow noble or somehow commendable. So it's it's actually parenting by non-parenting. It's not not only is it not functional, it is an abuse of of authority. Mm, I love it, Kyle. I'm going to ask you in the last segment, so it'll give me time to just chew on this. Uh, somebody just emailed me um, about what can we as Catholics do, and I'll I'll, I'll ask this in 15 minutes at the last segment. We've entered a time of war. Unfortunately, war is a consequence of sin. What should we lay, lay Catholics be doing right now uh, as uh, as this country is ginning up for war? And who knows, World War III may be right around the corner. That'll be for the last segment. Here's the next question, Kyle. My community is part of a school ministry to pray over those in need of healings. Is this out of authority to pray over our community in in need of healing as a school ministry. Yes. No further details. I, I don't know what else. Uh, yeah, it's yes. Uh, anytime this is one of the things that the demon wants us to do is he wants us to depart mission or charism of a particular group. And so read the mission statement of the school, stay within those, in, within those rumble strips, within those white lines. And I'll be willing to bet that nowhere in your school does it say uh, part of the mission statement requisite with its charter was to pray for uh, pray for healing. This these things are no matter how noble you think the um, the effort or the endeavor, if the demon can catch you outside your lane, if he can catch you outside your area of protection vis-a-vis -vis charter or charism for a religious order, he will take you to the woodshed and rightly so. Got it. Question. Is it safe for a person who's going under spiritual attacks to take a vacation, for example, to Mexico's pyramids that were built by the Aztecs or to go to Stonehenge or visit places such as this, whether or not they may be going through some type of diabolical affliction? So I would ask, uh, just a very simple question. Jesse's known me a long time. I'm the kid who says the emperor has no clothes. I'm Captain Obvious. <laughs> what the hell is moving inside of you that makes you go to places <laughs> of pagan worship? We've got pilgrimage sites in the United States. We you got pilgrimage sites abroad. I'll guarantee you that you can find a righteous Catholic pilgrimage site that you can visit for whatever money you're about to spend. But literally, what in the hell is moving inside you that is, is pushing you to go see a pagan worship site? Both of them places of sacrifice. Makes sense to me. That's exactly what I would have said. I just want to hear from you. 
Question. <clears throat> My husband, who is not Catholic or baptized, committed suicide. Uh, may he rest in peace, by the way. My condolences to you. How do I remove this sin in our own family? Now that I am head of household as a widow, do I, have a do I now have authority over our children? I'm a practicing Catholic. Our kids are all Catholic, but not praying or going to church. Okay, madam, you, you have a very straightforward function. I'm, I'm understanding that none of those children are in the household. And so uh, while you may think you are head of household, you are not. You are a widow of a man who died whose soul is in obvious peril. We don't know how provenient grace works. We don't know the right relationship between this soul that God created. Um, you may be his only opportunity to escape the fires of hell. I would be about that. And if you dedicate your life and your efforts to praying for the repose of his soul, for praying for this miraculous movement of mercy, if you, if you order your life to that, then the testimony of your prayers and your life ordered toward the salvation of a soul will bring your children back to the faith. A, whole, a holy Wayla yeah. works miracles not by what she says, but by what she does. And so you be the woman that no one wants to curse around. You be the woman that everyone wants to bow their head and pray with. You be that woman, but you be her silently and just go about the salvation as much as you can to earn indulgences and, and to earn uh, merit um, so that God may consider extending mercy to the soul of your husband, the father of those children. Yeah, she put here at the end, her kids are 16, so he'd be at home, or is that 20 and 22? So probably at least one or two are at home. Turn the house into a house of prayer that focuses on, uh, not out of panic, not out of desperation, but just out of this is, this is militaristically how we do. Uh, this is our primary uh, in intercession, is the salvation of his soul. When you start to in, in, um, suggest to them and, and affirm by your actions that no one is beyond God's mercy, you kill the power of the familiar spirit of suicide that is now in your family. And that's what you're ultimately asking to do is you you bind and vanquish that spirit through your indirect actions, which are actually very direct. But what he's wanting to going to do is suggest to these children that perhaps suicide is is a is a remedy or an, or an option. And you're going to basically say it's not a woulda, coulda, shoulda. This is what happened. And now we're going to order our lives to praying for this soul. Question. <clears throat> I'm a single woman in my 30s. Does my father still have authority over me, even if he, even if I'm not sure if he's in a state of grace, uh, or or practicing his Catholic faith? Um. So I've got to ask you a question. We're gonna have a little fun with this one. So you're 30. You're living outside the house. You don't really approve of what your dad's doing. You're gonna ask him to pay for the wedding. <laughs> good question yeah yeah you're right if, if, if uh that makes sense if she's inquiring if he's uh if he has authority over her i wonder if he's gonna invite her to the, if she's gonna invite him to the wedding that's a good question not only invite him is she gonna want him to pay for it ah. and, and so this is this is the thing is uh 
we're willing, a lot of times single women, loose women, by definition, these are loose women, meaning women outside of direct authority. And, and they're quite dangerous, actually. Um, because what happens is they want relationship with the patriarchy on their terms. Uh, they want dad to pay for the wedding, but not tell them what to do. They want dad to be there uh, as a safety net. But, uh, you know, here, here's a catchy line for you. Papa don't preach. It, it's uh, hmm. That, hmm. Yeah. that's yeah. exactly the relationship that the loose woman wants with the patriarchy. Uh, so you got to examine this. As, as uh, Socrates said, know thyself or, or examine yourself, as the Book of Lamentations says. Here's another one before we go to the break. Can you expound more on the intersection of this work, Liber Christo, and therapy? Can Catholic therapists integrate Liber Christo into their practice? They absolutely can, and we've got some psychiatrists that work with us and um, to great effect. Here are the two major shifts with regard to modern therapy and where they are counter to Libra Cristo, but if they adopt these principles, they'll become most effective. The two areas are, number one is um, the venting or telling of the story is not therapeutic. It's not Christian charity. Tell your story once and then start getting over it. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's like picking at a wound. Um, the, the other one is the Thomistic understanding of suffering, reparation, the value of suffering, and not to try to escape suffering. And so Hold that once- thought, Kyle. Hold that thought, my friend. We'll be right back. War College. Up next, more questions and answers with Kyle Clement. War College, Jesse Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle uh, works for the uh, De- De- DeLorean Fathers. He's the, the administrator, the case facilitator for Father Chad Ripperger. They work together. He's been working with them for well over a, well over a decade. And uh, <clears throat> thanks be to God, we, we've been able to resurrect, and I'm just the water boy here as I just carry their water. We've resurrected Liber Crystal. This is a place where people are going to be able to get their questions answered on spiritual warfare from an authentic Catholic, uh, you know, patristic, monastic, ascetical uh, worldview, not something that's been borrowed and and, uh, and remade from the Pentecostal movement. You know, it, it may have some efficacy, but the fact is, it's not a Catholic modality. So I just asked Kyle in the last segment, once again, therapists want to know, can they incorporate the liber crystal model of healing, deliverance, and exorcism? Can they intersect this with their work as Catholic therapists? Can, can they integrate this, yes or no? Yes. Um, this is another thing. Is Next year, um, Father Ripperger is going to offer, a, and Libra Cristo are going to offer a conference for mental health professionals on how they can assist exorcist priests and how they can be functional in this ministry. Um, next week's general practitioner training has a mental health component to it. Mental health is a, is a big, big part of our four-phase protocol because what we find is that it's not a situation of, well, is it spiritual or is it psychological? It's not an either-or, it's a both-and. And so the thing about it is, is to address the mental health issues and the psychological issues 
in the light of Christ in a way that is consistent with our Catholic faith, our traditional Catholic faith. And so this is one of the problems is psychology, modern psychology crept its way in with the Pentecostals and the evangelicals as yet another um, alien uh, element uh, in our Catholic faith. And the end result was, is we've got two generations of priests out there who were not taught as confessors. They were taught as counselors. Mm. And so this has tainted the, the priesthood and, and the, um, the living out of the priesthood for a lot of these men. Um, and, and so the priest, the idea um, that our Lord um, ate with, with sinners, this has been misinterpreted. Um, God never participated, our Lord never participated in the sin. He did not follow Mary Magdalene into areas of, of debauchery or perversion in order to minister to her. He didn't go sit at the tax table with Matthew while he continued his, his taxes. He didn't do these things. And so while he associated with sinners, he never associated with sin. And so the confessor has to have the strength to say, uh, get the hard things that, that result in salvation, not in satisfaction. And so we put a premium on the on uh, satisfaction rather than a premium on sanctification. I think that's it in a nutshell, but therapy counseling, any voice that the afflicted hears has to lead them back to the cross, has to lead them to a right relationship with God uh, through joining their life to the Christ. Got it. Kyle, can infestation in a home that is, hearing sounds, seeing shadowy figures, etc., occur without fault in a, or in and in turn occur because you are increasing in virtue and they wish to attack. Okay, so let me clear up this question here. Can infestation in a home occur, seeing sounds, seeing shadowy figures, occur without your fault? That, that's what they intend to say. Or or does it or does it occur because you're increasing in virtue and you're under attack? Yeah, so you're increasing in virtue, but you're under formation by opportunity, not attack. Let's change that word. Let's speak that warrior language. Um, you live for combat. You live for conflict. You live for the opportunity to prove your fidelity to God. And saints are made in in times of spiritual war, not in spiritual peace. So. This idea of attack already were shifted into a defense rather than an offense mode, rather than to grow in, in virtue, rather than to grow in in, uh, in in merit. But they're precisely right. Two two uh, observations that are very very important. Number one is metanoia, our righteous movement precedes manifestation. What does that mean? If somebody calls or emails and says, hey, things are starting to move in my house, I'm starting to see stuff, one of the first questions we ask is someone undergoing metanoia, a radical return to God, is there an increase in prayer, is there an increase in religious practices, is any soul in the house about to receive a sacrament, such as First Communion, Confirmation, because the demon's going to show himself because he's uncomfortable, because you're flushing him out, that's why he's showing himself. Got it. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, I've heard you say that before. That especially young people, when they're about to receive a sacrament, uh, this type of activity is not uncommon. This preternatural activity. Kyle, what does the word mean? Somebody's asking this question. Father John Ham's rest in peace uses the word poltergeist. 
What does poltergeist you mean? Okay, so um, it means literally from the German noisy spirit. Okay. It, it's a two-part word, and it means noisy spirit, geist, spirit, polter, um, noisy, and so are, are making noise. And so the, the understanding very simply is that a poltergeist, it's also something that uh, describes something that's destructive. Um, that causes damage. This is not going to be a purgative soul. A purgative soul cannot damage things. Um, and, and so they're very tightly regulated and very rare, the purgative soul. So oftentimes demons uh, will mimic uh, souls, purgative souls. Um, but the bottom line is, is if it's destructive, it's not purgative. Kyle, how do you tell the difference between infestation and oppression example did the demon come with the house or did you invite the demon so again we've got a situation where it's not an either or so infestation can be a feature of oppression um meaning that that very seldom do you have a single demon operating um, they're like buzzards or hyenas. They're going to come to uh, a moment of opportunity for the soul. And so you're going to get multiples. Um, so infestation typically is brought about by the illicit use of the object which is being infested. But the flesh may also be infested through habitual mortal sin, allows a demon requisite with that sin to be present to that flesh because of the activity. You more often see infestation with regard to a house or a locus. Again, it becomes worse or aggravated when this person seeks to now uh, convert this location to a holy use, when it seeks to convert this uh, body, this flesh, to a holy use. Last question, Kyle. We've entered into a time of war uh, across the pond over in the Ukraine and Russia. Uh, there's probably other countries that are behind it as well uh, the question is for a lay Catholic we know that Our Lady of Fatima said that war is a consequence of our sin so what protocol what type of uh, you know uh, type of ritual should a lay Catholic right now be engaged in especially since again uh, we've just entered into a time of war and we know that many of these nations have nuclear warheads. What should we as lay Catholics be doing? We can't change Washington, obviously. We can't change, uh, we can't change our governor. We can't even change many people in the Roman Curia. So what can we do ourselves? This is very much like the widow's question. I think that we want a, we want a global or some kind of grand enterprise um, when, in fact, we're foot soldiers. And so what we are called to do is if, if you really want to do something that has merit and has value, not only in your own home, but in the Ukraine, you pray the office of the dead and the deeds era, the day of judgment. You pray each and every day for every soul that dies in this unjust cause. You pray every day for every soul that uh, whose life will be taken as a result of this conflict. Don't look up. Don't look left. Don't look right because nobody else is praying this way. This is what we're called to do. It's it's pronounced in Latin once again, Dies Eris, correct? Yes. And these are prayers for the dead, correct? That's correct. It's it's from the office of the dead, 
and just pray you can pray as a lay person the entire office of the dead as if this loved one was a member of your household because they're part of the mystical body of Christ many of these will be Catholics but many of these will be part of the mystic body mystical body of Christ but nobody calls us to pray this way there was a time when our prelates our bishops our priests called us to this type of prayer this is the right use of the laity and the right use of the prayer power of the laity Thank you very much, Kyle. That's very, very helpful because a lot of people have this question. Kyle, tell us how people can get uh, get more information from Liber Cristo. Tell us who Liber Cristo is and how they can get more information from Liber Cristo. So you can go to Liber Cristo, L-I-B-E-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot org. Um, and uh, you may, on the contact page there, send an email if you're interested in a specific program or a specific area. You can also go to www.libracristo.org. Um, there are several talks there by Father Ripperger, myself, Dan Snyder. They're on the free side. They don't cost anything. This is one of the things that um, we've returned to the original intent of Libra Cristo, which was to get this information out there, make it available, um, and, and, uh, and, and put it to use. I think this is um, at the heart of what the Libra Cristo effort is. And I also want to thank Jesse. He tells you he's just the water boy, but he and Anita's prayers and efforts to get uh, Libra Cristo back up and running uh, required a lot of prayer effort, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails. Um, Jesse's not going to tell you what he, everything he did, but I'm going to tell you it was a lot. And for that, we're truly grateful. Kyle, happy to be happy to be part of the part of the dugout, even though I'm the I'm in the dugout, you know. The Bat Boy, the Water Boy, but me and Anita are very happy to just uh, make sure that this becomes normative across the Catholic Church because uh, this is exactly the information that lay Catholics need so they can uh, stay protected, so that some of them can self-deliver. And so we, uh, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. I'll see you next week uh, for the late training over in your neck of the woods. Uh, thank you very much, Kyle. Uh, thank you, Jess. You've been listening to War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. We're on every single Wednesday where we answer spiritual warfare questions. You can email me your spiritual warfare questions, jessierromero7 at gmail.com. Email them to me. I'll ask Kyle or Dan Schneider every single Wednesday. We'll give you the Catholic response. Up next, Gary Matichuda. Hands on apologetics. God bless you. Keep the faith.